Welcome to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I'm your host, Florida native and real estate ninja, Donnie Hathaway. You know, I started this podcast because I'm extremely passionate about connecting you with the people and the local businesses that make Palm Harbor so special. Palm Harbor, Florida is a great place to call home. It has everything you could dream of, from the food, the outdoors, the lifestyle, to the people in the community. Now, through this podcast and Instagram, I've been able to make some incredible connections, and I want to invite you to come follow me on Instagram. It's at Donnie.Hathaway, where I share all the best places to live, work, and play in beautiful Palm Harbor. Now, in today's episode, we have Sean Grealish, who is the owner of Stilt House Brewery right here in Palm Harbor, Florida. Stout House has been around since 2013, um, and Sean has a really great story. If you've met him before or if you've been into um, Stout House, you know he is super passionate about making great quality beer uh, for the local community, and uh, and he's got a great story, like I said. So I'm excited to, to sit down with him, kind of learn more about um, his his past, how he got into making beer, um, and, and why he's so passionate about it. So let's jump right into it. Sean, well, well, thank you for, for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, super excited. We've, we've chatted a little bit before, but super excited to kind of share that with everyone else. So um, why don't we start off and, and just talk about um, the brewery, kind of what you guys do, and and uh, why you got into that. Why I got into that? That's an awesome story. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my aunt owned a restaurant on the southern coast of England. Uh, the first time I went there, I was 14. And... Uh, that was actually that summer was the first time I actually bought a beer. So I bought a beer in London. Um, my stepbrother and I snuck out of the hotel room and, um, we, we walked by this bar that had a roll up door just like mine. Yeah. And the, uh, there was a guy sitting there with the back legs of his chair on the sidewalk and he, he, uh, he said, Oh, get these blokes a beer. And, uh, and so we drank, my stepbrother and I, we drank the first one and then I bought another one and I thought I was the coolest person in the world. 14 years old, I bought a beer in England. And so it was, it was legal in, in England to do that? I time? had an American accent and money and that was pretty much yeah, all they yeah, cared about. Okay. Uh, so I went back to the restaurant actually every summer after that uh, until I was 21 and I, I would work in the restaurant and at the end of the day, we'd go down the street to the pub and buy a couple of pints, shoot some darts with the locals, and then go back to our room. Uh, but the summer that I turned 17, <clears throat> I decided it was not fair that I could drink beer all summer. And then when I got back here to go to back to high school, I couldn't actually buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so I started making it when I was 17 years old. At your house? At my house. Yeah. And uh, if my dad hears this, sorry, Dad, because he didn't know that. <laughs> he, he, wait, you brewed beer and your dad had no idea? No, he didn't know. Wow. Did you brew it in your room? I managed it. Well, I'd, I would brew it in the kitchen when nobody was home. <laughs> and then I would let it ferment in the closet. Uh, and then I always had my windows open. And then, uh, right, a couple of weeks later, I would bottle it and hide the bottles in the closet with sheets and stuff over it. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and he never found out. I was kind of popular my senior year of high school, actually. They did actually have a lot of friends who were like, hey, what can I get for 50 bucks? Yeah. And so they would buy some of your <laughs> and beer. And they were buying cases of beer for me. 
Crazy. So how much were you, how much were you making at that, at that time? Five gallons at a time makes about two and a half cases. Okay. So I would, they'd give me 50 bucks. I'd give them two cases and I'd keep a half a case for myself. Yeah. And then I'd make some more. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep the process going. Just kept it going. And you never got caught for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Impressive too. And that's, that's kind of how the brewery started. Uh, I had some friends that were um, homeschool dads, right? So one of the things that happens when you homeschool your kids is that, you know, most of the time it's the wives that take the kids to the, to the homeschool co-op and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guys didn't, I didn't, we didn't really know each other that well. So I had all the kids over for a campfire and marshmallows in my backyard. And uh, I also make wine at home. So I brought out bottles of wine for all of the wives who know each other. They see each other at least once a week. And so they're all drinking wine and all the dads are standing around in a circle, like twiddling our thumbs. And it's like, Hey, you guys want a beer? And I never, I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. <laughs> so I took them, I took them into my garage and I had built a false wall in the middle of my garage that separated it from the front to the back. And the inside part was actually my bar. So I had a six tap kegerator and glassware shelves and, and all kinds of stuff in the bar. Yeah. And, um, six different beers on tap and I started handing them out beers and they're like, okay, so where do you have, just have a bar in your garage? Yeah. Where did you get all of this? So I, I made it on the other side of this wall and we opened the door into the other part of the, which was my brewery. And I had fermenters in there and, and all this stuff that I needed to make beer. And they were just jaw dropping like, okay, why don't you have a brewery? Yeah. Like this is good beer. Like, well, it, cause I have, a, I have a job. I don't need a job. Brewing is my hobby. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it did actually take them two years to convince me to do it, but um, here I am. <laughs> seven, yeah. seven and a half years later. <laughs> so you've been making beer for, for a long time. 33 years. Yeah. And I would say like the breweries have just become popular um, more recently yep. than, than 33 years ago for sure. Um, so what is it that you like about the beer? Is it um, that this attracted you to it from, from such a young age? Uh, well, beer is like the great social experiment. Are you a business owner or a leader looking to take your company to the next level? Then you need to meet Local Union Consulting. It's owned by Tampa Bay locals Maggie Butler and Brett Hallinger. Now their passion is helping successful small businesses and entrepreneurs take this step to the next level. Local Union offers business and finance planning, process efficiency, and general coaching. They helped me build the systems and structure to ignite the growth of my business. To connect with Maggie and Brett, head on over to local-union.com and follow them on Instagram at localunionllc. As long as you don't get carried away, mm-hmm. uh, people sometimes get carried away here because I like high gravity beers. I like beers that taste really good. Uh, I learned what beer was supposed to taste like during all those summers in England. It's not supposed to be an American light beer, mm-hmm. right? It's just not supposed to be that. Most people, when they're drinking, you know, they're like, I'll have a Bud Light, but it's got to be ice cold. Well, the reason why it's got to be ice cold is it doesn't really taste good. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're only drinking it just to get hammered. Yeah. And if that's your goal, that's fine. You know, it's the difference between getting a cheeseburger at McDonald's or getting a cheeseburger at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Sure. Yeah. There's a difference in price, but the one you're getting at Ruth Chris tastes really good. Yeah. Much better. So that's, that's where the, that's where the thing came from. And I've just expounded on that. Um. I've made almost anything that anybody's asked for. There's people ask for crazy things like, I'll bet you can't make a beer that tastes like this. Like, yeah, I could. But how many people are going to drink that? 
I mean, really, if, right. you, think, if you think a lot of people are going to drink it, I'll make it. Um, we, we didn't do it this year, but uh, I'm sorry, 2020 because of the whole thing. But before that, there was a, a thing that we used to do in the Tampa Bay area called the, um, it's called the iron brewer. Basically it was like iron chef, but it was with beer. Okay. And we would all meet at a brewery down in St. Pete and you get ingredients at random. Right. So like, uh, kumquats and cashews. Cool. Or, one guy got old bay seasoning and, uh, geez, I forget what the other ingredient was, but it didn't really go well with old oh bay seasoning. Gosh. And we would like out of 20, I think they'd usually be between 22 and 28 different brewers that were all, uh, in involved with the brewers challenge. And some of the stuff that came out of there was just fantastic. Really? Uh, I never took in the top three. I think I was fourth place three years in a row. <laughs> okay. But it's a blind taste test. You know, they, they set up jockey boxes in a, at, a, at a brewery, and the general public gets to vote on what they think is the best. And uh, it's, it was fun. It's just really fun. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's challenging too, right? Yes. It's challenging your skill. And- yeah, I got, a, I got a chocolate one year. I got a chocolate and chocolate and vanilla, I think it was. And everybody was like, well, you're making a stout. I said, well, no, I'm going to make a white stout. That tastes like chocolate and oh, it's wow. the color of a pilsner crazy and it, it was uh you know if you close your eyes and took a sip of it you would think you were drinking a stout yeah but it was blonde color yeah wow so what is um like the whole brewing process like what is that like how long does that take um yeah let's start there brewing uh brewing a batch of beer takes almost the same with industry standard equipment it takes almost the same amount of time no matter if you make five gallons or if you make 130 okay. or 30 barrels still takes six to eight hours, uh, because the process doesn't really change. So we, we take the grains, modified grains, uh, and we steep them in, in hot water at a specific temperature to convert starches to sugars. Mm-hmm. Once you convert all those starches to sugars, then you boil it to get it, get rid of any, uh, any coagulates that would actually be in there clarify the beer and boiling is where you also add your flavorings and your hops and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, then we pull it out, cool it down, put it into a fermenter. Uh, at that point we're in complete control cause we've made, we've made something that is no longer going to touch the outside atmosphere. Once it leaves the kettle to go into the fermenter, it doesn't actually touch atmosphere until it comes out of the tap. So all the rest of that is a closed system. All the fermentation, mm-hmm. uh, the kegging, everything is all done with at that point with pressure. Okay. So what about um, like like adding flavor? So especially like when you're when you have like two ingredients that you've know nothing about, um, like is that just from experience? You know, like how much to add, and and then like are you adding like uh, like how are you adding the the ingredients or the, or how do you get the flavor? Uh, it depends on exactly which flavors we're adding. Yeah. Um, everything that I make that has a fruit or a vegetable in it, I buy all of those fruits from the produce stand down the street. Oh, yeah. So it is real fruit. It is real vegetable. Steve's Produce. Steve's Produce right yeah. down the street. Uh, hit them up if you haven't been there before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like my most popular selling beer here is actually the Hell Yeah. It's a jalapeno cornbread lager. Oh, uh, I think It's I've made with one. jalapenos. Uh and flaked corn. So the flaked corn goes in the mash, um, where the 
flaked corn will actually convert a little bit, but it adds that corn flavor into the into the beer. We also put some jalapenos in the mash to get started. Then jalapenos go at the beginning of the boil and at the end of the boil. There's also a lot of honey in that, which is which is why it tastes like cornbread. So uh. it's honey, corn, and jalapenos. And then we serve it in a Pilsner glass with a slice of jalapeno on the rim. Yeah. Uh, in the glass, it's actually, on a scale of 10, it's about a 2, depending on, where, on what season the jalapenos were grown in, because some jalapenos are hotter than others. Yeah. So it's usually about a 2 when it comes out of the tap. But if you take that jalapeno from the rim and drop it into the beer, capsaicin is actually alcohol-soluble. So within about three minutes, it's about an eight on a scale of 10. No way. From one slice of jalapeno. Wow. Uh, without the jalapeno, you get the green flavor of a, a it's kind of like a baked jalapeno. Okay. Or when you bake a jalapeno after scraping out the seeds and stuff, you bake it, it's not that hot. It just tastes like that earthy green. Yeah. Yeah. That's how the beer comes out. Like I said, until you put that slice of jalapeno in it. And then that's when you get the heat from it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some people really like that. Uh, I have two pepper beers on. The other one is called Wizard's Wheat. Uh, That's made with serrano and poblano peppers. We roast the poblano peppers over a fire so that you get a little bit of a smoky flavor. And the seeds on the inside of the poblano actually pop. So they give you a different flavor. Okay. Uh, And there's a regular customer uh, that comes in. And he likes it so hot that he he brings his own habaneros. And he slices habaneros and puts six to eight slices of habanero in the bottom of his of his already slightly spicy beer. No. And he sweats like crazy, and he, <laughs> and he loves it. He loves it. No <laughs> way. Uh, yeah. That, isn't, uh, that doesn't sound good to me, but I guess everyone's got their own Everybody's their own got taste. their own thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you guys do um, – I think that's one thing that's different about uh, your brewery compared to some of the other ones. You guys experiment with a lot of different flavors and, and unique unique flavors too compared to, compared to others. Um is that something that you're just passionate about, or where, where does that come from? It's pretty much it's pretty much uh, where that it comes from. Customers comes from ideas that we have. Yeah, uh, I wrote a recipe. I never actually made it because I kind of chickened out of that one. But I, <laughs> I wrote a recipe for um, sweet and sour chicken that actually really would have tasted like sweet and sour chicken um, with bouillon, chicken bouillon in it. Yeah. And, Part of the reason why I chickened out, I keep saying the word chicken. Part of the reason why I, I didn't do that one was because the bouillon has enough uh, fatty fat in it from the, the actual chicken yeah. that I just don't think it would hold a head. Uh, it would okay. have tasted exactly like sweet and sour chicken. Yeah. But it just wouldn't look good in the glass. So like, well, we're just going to, we're going to leave that one. Yeah. And and so how do you, like, how do you decide like how much to put in and like timing of it too. Like you said before with the jalapenos, like when you add it to the mash and stuff, it's a, is that trial and error? It's, it's sort of like watching a a fantastic band on stage live. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's got their own little part to play. And sometimes, you know, sometimes Eddie Vedder goes in the corner, you don't really hear him. And sometimes he's like right in the center of the stage playing a harmonica at the same time that, you know, somebody else is playing. It all depends on how you want it to work. Depends on where you want the flavors to come out. Okay. Um, the layering, I really like layering because I think beer should taste interesting. Yeah. So I, the reason for the jalapenos going at several stages is that it layers the beer. You get different flavors at different times. Mm. Uh, I did a, a raspberry, chocolate raspberry hard water uh, that 
when you smelled it, it's uh, you put in like 12 pounds of chocolate, right? When you smelled it in the glass, it smelled like a chocolate bar. When you first taste it, it tastes like raspberries. Yeah. And after you swallow and just talk for 30 seconds, it tastes like chocolate again. And I have actually been called the Willy Wonka of beer. Yeah. Because that's the, you know, it's the whole layering of, of the apple pie, right? Or the, no, right. It was a, a blueberry pie. Yeah. Getting different flavors at different times is, a, I find that a challenge. Um, that's the challenging part that I try to do every single time. Yeah. Okay. And is that just, that's just timing of like when you're adding the ingredients? Timing in? of when you add things. You have to, and you have to know, you have to know how, one of the things I did early on is I actually made batches of beer in glass jars called carboys. So I had seven gallon glass carboys and I would do a five gallon batch in the carboy and it was a picture a lava lamp, except it's not one drop of lava. It's millions of little uh, yeast cells that are picking up something to eat. And as they, uh, as they eat that thing, they let out CO2. Yeah. And so they float to the top. When it gets to the top, the CO2, once it hits the surface, the surface tension breaks loose the CO2 and that particle falls back to the bottom. But it does that in the entire thing all the time for like it, the first 48 hours is just amazing. Uh, the Germans call that the Sturm, which is, just means storm. And mm. you can see it moving up and down inside cool. of the container. Yeah. So because I used to do that and I know what it looks like, even in a stainless steel container that I can't see it, I know what it looks like yeah. in there. Very important for home brewers to do that at least once so that you know, you get an idea of, you know, how it's what working. is what's happening at what yeah. stage. Sure. Um, so then a lot of this, a lot of the other things like um, anything that we had fruit to, usually the fruit is added at the end of the boil, but then it's also added after primary fermentation. Mm. So a typical fruit or vegetable beer that we have a typical poundage is usually about 40 pounds. That's a lot of fruit. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of the fruit beers that I make are pretty expensive. Um, I had a guy come in one time and I was, I was behind the bar and I just heard him talking to the friend that he came in with and he was complaining that uh, he has coconut trees in his backyard and the coconuts fall and they make a mess. And he was having a hard time figuring out where to get rid of them because yeah. they didn't want to take them at the dump anymore because it's food. Wow. So he was talking and I was like, well, how many coconuts you got? And he goes, look, what would you do with 75 coconuts? And I said, <laughs> you, you know who you're talking to, right? Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, so what would you do with 75 coconuts? I was like, give me a piece of paper. I wrote a recipe for a coconut stout. He brought coconuts the next day and he didn't have 75. He had a hundred. Oh my goodness. He threw them from his truck into the back of my truck. Uh, the next brew day, we were all out there with machetes. And I <laughs> I drilled a hole in each one to get the, the coconut water out. Uh, we got four and a half gallons of coconut water and four pounds of coconut meat. Wow. And all of that was staged in various parts of the brew. Uh, and then we added more into the fermenter, um, some of the ones that we didn't use in the brew. We cut those up and added the coconut meat in bags like dry hopping in the fermenter. Okay. So I made a coconut stout that was like to die for. I put it on nitro and oh, wow. it went super fast. I mean, a matter of a couple of weeks. And people still ask me if I can make it again. <laughs> but one single coconut, like at Publix, is like $2. Yeah. 
$200 in coconuts. Yeah. So, you know, if the guy ever comes back with the, you know, the coconut trees, I will absolutely <laughs> take another truckload of coconuts. Uh, that's awesome. So let's, um, so let's jump back into like 2020 and, and, um, oh <laughs> yeah, a challenging year, right. For a lot of people and the, and the, the local brewers, especially, you know, there was a time I, I remember like where it was like, you know, we were questioning whether, you know, any of the breweries were going to be able to stay open, you know? So, so talk a little bit about that and what, what that was like. Yeah, that was, um, that was difficult. Uh, I did actually get the phone call from the department of business and professional regulation. I got the phone call on St. Patrick's day, 2020 St. Patrick's day at noon. And I really thought they were joking because the person said, hi, I'm calling from the DBPR. You have to be closed at five. Mm. And uh, I actually laughed on the phone. I said, no, you're kidding. This is a joke, right? So no, you have to be closed at five o'clock. So uh, at 6.30 when Pinellas County Sheriff's rolled in and there was still 30 people inside. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, and he came in and he said, you got the phone call, right? And I kind of played stupid. I was like, yeah. I'm not sure what you're talking about. So they made everybody leave. Yeah. And uh, the next day I came in, I sat down at the bar with a glass of water. I cried for a little while. And uh, I was like, okay, now I'm going to figure out how to do this part. Cause this is something different yeah. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this be the end of it. Sure. Cause, cause you know, my landlord is not going to let me not pay rent. Mm -hmm. I still have to pay the bills. Yeah. I had, uh, all my fermenters had beer in them cause we didn't have any warning about that. Right. There were a bunch of breweries that just had to dump stuff out. Wow. You just take the hit and yeah. dump it out. And, uh, I was determined to not let that happen. So I have a little tiny canning machine that came from October company uh, that makes canning machines. It's a single canner, one at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, I called a friend of mine that owns a canning company, uh, and I bought a pallet of cans. I called the growler company, and I bought a, a full pallet of growlers. And we had walk-up service at the back window. Uh, and then the state said, okay, it's all right to deliver beer just like it's food, because they tell us it's food all the time. Mm -hmm. It is okay for you guys to deliver beer. So I would have a couple employees a week that would man the phone. Everybody knew that if they called, what do you need? You need a case? All right, yeah. we're going to can you a case. Right. Deliver the case to your house. Drop it off at your front door. Uh, we had people coming up to the back window, filling growlers every single day, um, buying four packs of cans, uh, I got in trouble a couple times because they would go outside the back door and open up the can and then be sitting in the back parking lot drinking it. Yeah. And uh, they're like, well, that's not my property. If, if, you know, if they were drinking a Budweiser, is it my fault at that right. point? But they were drinking your beer. They were so. drinking my beers. Yeah. yeah. So I got in a little bit of trouble a couple times. Uh, yeah. Um, then there was the, the worst part, though, actually. That wasn't too bad. We, we figured that out. We were able to get into a groove with that. Yeah. Uh, I had two employees on at one time so that one was behind the bar and the other one was actually out serving. And um, so we, we did that for a while. Uh, they allowed us to reopen a little bit. And then all of a sudden they were like, nope, unless you're a restaurant, you got to be closed. Yeah. That part was hard. Um, during that time, that was like a month, month and a half, I actually wrote six letters to Ron DeSantis because uh, I know his parents live in this area. 
And I, without giving any names, I told him, you know, my son comes over with me on Sundays to the brewery and we take a bike ride. And we went south on the trail from where I'm located and we came across a restaurant that's located on a wharf and there was 300 people inside. And wow. the reason why people are going there and not coming to my establishment is because they can have a beer inside sitting down at a bar. Yeah. So then he kind of loosened uh, things up a little bit and he said, you know, if you have a food truck or a kitchen, then you can open. And so I had a friend with a food truck and he parked out front every single day of the week for yeah. like three or four weeks. And then one of my employees was, was starting a catering company and I said, let's go, let's get the catering company going. And this front room that we're sitting in here became my kitchen for like two months. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was not the right way to do it. It was, it was fairly legal. There was, we were close. The only thing is that I wasn't, um, I wasn't running that through the DBPR. I was running that through the local health department. That's the part where I wasn't doing it right. Mm. There were other local breweries that actually, it was, they kind of thought it was a joke though. Uh, they were, they would print a menu and their menu was, uh, sardines and crackers uh -huh. on every single line. It was sardines and crackers. Um, but they just described it differently. Yeah. And like, yeah, we have a kitchen. We have sardines and crackers. <laughs> not, not really the right way to do it. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah. When, when my health department inspector came in with our kitchen here, she said, you're really close. You did almost everything right. I'm uh, impressed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And then, then they loosened everything up toward the end of the year said, you know, you do whatever you feel, uh, whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, some interesting things happened because of that. A fantastic musician named Greg West um, used to play here every Saturday. Yeah. Well, when they shut everything down, Greg lost his job, right? Because he plays at restaurants, bars, uh, sporting events. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of the things that he did, all the places where he would go, Done. it was all gone. Yeah. So he lost his job. So we started having free, they were free before, but we started having concerts out in the backyard. I built a stage out there uh, and because I was supposed to encourage people to be outside. So it's actually Saturdays has grown to a point where there'll be 100 to 160 people outside. Yeah. Uh, everybody listening to Greg and having beer and it's, it's really awesome um yeah I, I can't thank him enough i mean he stuck in there right. with us. that was awesome yeah it's it's pretty special and and you know it's it was obviously a, a difficult a difficult time and you know uh you guys had to adapt and and just keep taking putting you know one foot in front of the other and make changes and and do the best you could um but it sounds like too, like there's, there's some good things that, that came from it too, you know? Um, I know for your case, like, so the, the patio, like that, that was recent, you know, having the space out, out there, right? Yes. Uh, we, I always wanted something like that. Yeah. This is when we first chose this building. I was like, oh, I want to turn the backyard into a place where people can actually, you know, come out and have a good time. Yeah. Um, it, but it was all about, you know, if nobody forced me to do it yet. So it was like, well, I don't. I can't really, I don't have the money to put right, into this. Right. But when that became the only avenue, right? So people couldn't come inside, but they could be outside. As long as I encouraged them to, because that was one of the other exceptions. Like, well, okay, so you can sell to go stuff and people can be outside. You need to encourage them to be outside. Yeah. So that's where all of that came from. Uh, I just started looking at the outside space and thinking, all right, so I need a stage. I need 
waterproof. I need sun shade coverings. I need yeah. all this stuff. So because I was kind of forced to do that, our space back there actually looks decent right now. Yeah. It's a whole lot of stuff that I still want to do. But again, that's all that's all about being able to afford to do that. Right. Right. And you're right off the Pinellas Trail too. So like having the space back there is is huge for the people that are that are coming up and down. Yes. I would say that on the weekends, um most of the people that come here on the weekends come in off of the trail. Off the trail. Yeah. Um yeah, we have we have a running for brews that co- that's every Monday. So they come in, they run on the trail and then come back. A mm-hmm. uh, couple times a year, there's biking for brews. Uh, they do that for like special occasions. But uh, the biking for brews, they'll be anywhere up towards like 170 people on bicycles. Crazy. And they tell me ahead of time when they know they're coming. Yeah, so yeah. I always, I'll set up a station outside. Um, matter of fact, right now outside we have uh, Combi Keg Tampa. The Combi Keg oh, cool. 72 Volkswagen is parked out back with six taps on the side of it. Yeah. So, uh, when we know we're going to be super busy and it's not going to rain, we try to get beers on the, on the combi keg. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, the combi keg company is actually owned by my bar manager, Angela. So, uh, yeah, it was just convenient. She said, you know, I, I can park it here or I can yeah. park it in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, so yeah, we, we try and keep enough things going during the week, you know, so that there's there's something different going on. We mm-hmm. just, just started doing trivia again, but it's only like every other, uh, every other Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, one thing I want to touch on too is like, I know like we, we talked before, like the community and, and like the atmosphere here, the family, the, the family type atmosphere that you have here. Um, that's something that's, that's passionate that you're passionate about. And I think it's different, like you have a different sort of, every brewery has a, has a different vibe and stuff, right? But that, that's one way that, that kind of separates you from, from the others. Yeah, that was, that was always pretty important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I have, uh, I have two kids. My daughter is now 16 and my son uh, just turned 12. And I have pictures of the first time we got the large brew house where my son was helping me clean it the first time. Uh, and that was six years ago. Yeah. So he was six years old and he's got a hose in his hand and he's helping me spray it and brush it down and stuff. And that was pretty cool. I always encourage people to bring in the, bring in their kids. Um, we always have events for the kids this past Christmas. We did, uh, uh, Santa Ross. If you've never seen Ross in a Santa suit. Uh-huh. Oh, he was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, but so it was, it was, you know, free Santa, you come and sit in his lap and, you know, take your pictures and whatever. But then we also gave every, every child that came here, we gave them a goodie bag. Yeah. We had uh ornament painting for free where they were outside painting their own ornaments. They cool. got to take them home yeah. and put them on their own tree. Yeah. Um, uh, we do, well, we didn't do a lot in, in 2020 because we couldn't, but we used sure. to have like a, uh, outdoor, um, sprinkler station where the kids could come in and play in the water. I oh, just nice. turn the water on and let yeah. them play there. <laughs> Uh, sidewalk chalk out front mm-hmm. where kids were coloring stuff and then we would vote on it and the, whoever the kids that would want <laughs> would get something a soda and a bag of chips or whatever yeah so it, i mean to me that's pretty important to have to have the kids feel like they're not just you know tagging along with their parents yeah. while their parents have a beer and they have to sit still and be quiet and right whatever right it's a place for them it's as well. a place for them yeah. you know there's Kids bring their own stuff. They bring their scooters and they're riding on the front walk on the front mm-hmm. sidewalk or out mm-hmm. in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I encourage that. I, I like that feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and like I said, I think that's one pl- one reason that that kind of separates you from from the other one. So it's pretty pretty cool. So um, I feel like we keep 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 this conversation going. There's so <laughs> many more questions I have, but I want to wrap it up with this. And, and this is something I like to kind of ask everybody. But um, what is one of your favorite uh, local businesses? And it doesn't have to be a favorite; just be one that you want to kind of highlight right now. But but if you had to pick one, uh, what what would that I be? To pick a local one that's obviously not me. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> not you. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that uh, he's he's already pretty well known. So, um, Fairway Pizza mm-hmm. uh, is he had he had my beer on tap for a long time. Oh yeah. Uh, all, well, when we were back in in uh, in distribution before the distribution company went out of business last year, um, yeah, Fairway Pizza is a great place, and uh, Fireside Pizza, and I know they're both pizza places, but yeah. Um, Fireside Pizza, Mike, I meant Mike, like right after we opened and I was still using my system, but I had to wheel it outside every day. And I was complaining. Of course, I'm, I do that a lot. I was complaining <laughs> that I needed a, an exhaust hood over the kettle before I could use it inside. And he said, well, what do you, you know, what do you need? So I needed like a 40, 48 by 48. I need a four foot uh, exhaust hood. And he said, oh, you're going to be here tomorrow? I said, yeah. He brought me one and he gave it to me. Oh, nice. Like, so he just seriously gave it to me. I was like, that's like $5,000. He said, it's just been sitting in a storage unit and I don't need it. So <laughs> it's yours. So then he came in and and was buying beer. I was trying to give it to him for free. He said, no, if you don't charge me for beer, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> so I said, all right, well, I'm going to pay you back somehow. So what we used to do is we, uh, I would buy four to six pizzas every Wednesday yeah. and give them away. Just like free pizza, free, free pizza. Oh, I remember Wednesday. those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're, you know, if you're not gonna let me pay you back, then yeah, I'm buying four to six pizzas a week. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna pay you. Yeah, and give it back uh, to the customers. And give it back to the customers. Yeah, genius. So Wednesday was customer appreciation pizza night. Maybe we'll get back to that. I don't know. We had to stop doing that, obviously, in 2020. Cause yeah, it just wasn't gonna work. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like we're, we're close to that. And, and by the time this, this podcast like comes out, hopefully we'll be back to like some of those norms and stuff. And yeah, at least, we'll at least to go. feel normal. Yeah. You know, everybody just wants to feel normal. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the uncomfortable feeling of like just the unknown of being outside and around people and stuff. It's just, it's just different. Yes. Definitely a scary place to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Awesome, Sean. Well, um, I appreciate you, you jumping on here. How can people, um, you have a website, but obviously you're located here off the Pinellas Trail in Palm Harbor, um, right off Alternate 19. Yeah, we're at 625 Alternate 19. Um, depending on your landmarks, we're either near the post office or right across the street from Hungry Howie's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're right off of the Pinellas Trail. We've got the big blue uh, shades back there. Um, we do have a website. Our Facebook page is pretty active. Um, and now actually on our website, you can order from the shop on our website. So oh, if, cool. you, if you want to get a something, a shirt, a hat or something like that, okay, you can order it on the shop and it'll either be here in the brewery or we can mail it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you call the bar phone, uh, nobody will answer it. That's just <laughs> the way that that goes. <laughs> so don't call the bar phone. Yeah. Just show up. <laughs> just, just show, show up. up. Just show up. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you again and and, uh, appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Donnie. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sean today from Stoathouse Brewery. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to hit that follow button for Palm Harbor Local 
on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's, you know, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, whatever it is, hit that follow button and download the episodes as you listen in. If I can connect you with any of our previous guests or with Sean, then follow me on Instagram. It's at Donnie.Hathaway and send me a message over there. Hope you're having a great start to the week. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. Thank you.